Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning. Well, I've got a simple message for you today. I realize it is the last day of the year and that some of you have probably got friends and family coming around and have got things to do. So um, I'm going to keep it fairly short today. I've got a message based on Paul's letter to Philippians, chapter 3. I'm calling this message Failure, Forgetting and Pressing On, which I think is something that some of you will probably want to do this new year. So before we get into the word, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, bless your word to us this morning. Speak to us through it. Be glorified, be lifted up, be exalted in our midst, Lord. Make us more faithful to, your, to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So then, the first part of, of my message is about failure. Not exactly something that you would think is positive. But take a look at Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ. Now you think, well surely he knew him, didn't he? He'd met him on the road to Damascus. He'd written plenty about him. Surely he knew him. Yes, he did. But what he's saying is, I want to know him even more. I don't know Jesus as much as I would like to. I should know Jesus better by now. That's the heart of what Paul is trying to say to us. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says, I've not arrived at my goal. I haven't done everything that I could have done. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. These are the words of a man who acknowledges that there are failures in his life. And he wasn't the only one. Well, before I move on to others, let's just remind you that in 1 Corinthians 13, he also acknowledges his failure there. He says, we know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't have perfect knowledge. He said that he only saw God as a poor reflection in a mirror. But as I was saying, he's not the only one to have failed. In the book of Galatians, we're told that Peter had slipped into a form of legalism and he would only eat with Jews and not Gentiles. Of course, Peter made many other mistakes, but we'll just stick to that one for now. In the book of Acts, Mark falls out with Peter, sorry, with Paul, to the extent that they each go their own way. We don't know if they ever made up again. I hope they did. They probably did. But they did have a falling out. And you know, admitting to failure is not politically correct. We live in a day, don't we, when you women, you're supposed to be strong, independent women. How many of you women feel like strong, independent women? Not very many, really. And us men, we're supposed to be sensitive and caring, aren't we? 
I think one or two only care about the football results on a Saturday night. But admission of failure does not mean that we ourselves are failures. It simply means that we are humans. That there will be failure in our life from time to time. And you know, actually admitting that can be a good thing for some people. If you ever spend time talking to somebody who's an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic, they'll tell you that they were only able to start dealing with it once they admitted it. The same goes for drug addicts. They can't get rid of their addiction until they admit that they need help, that they have got a problem. Is it true then that we can only be used by God if we accept that we ourselves have failures from time to time? Well, yes. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. For God's strength is made perfect in weakness. If we want to personally grow, and if we want this church to grow, then we need to admit that from time to time there are failures. Some of you may think to yourself, well, ICA is a success story, isn't it? It started off as a little more than a home group. Now it's three churches. We own our own building. It's quite a magnificent building, isn't it? And between the three congregations, there are what? I don't know exactly, 100, 150 people? Some people would say that is a great success and compared to a lot of churches, that is a great success. But get this, Elche Football Club, since I mentioned football earlier, they got relegated last year. Do you know how many people they get to their home games? Between 10 and 12,000. Between 10 and 12,000. And we're thinking we're a success because we've got maybe 100 or 150. But even 10 or 12,000 isn't a lot really, is it? Back in the day when I was a young man, not so long ago, I used to go to a lot of rock concerts. I've been to quite a number at the old Wembley Stadium. 60 or 80,000 people was nothing. I've been to big outdoor festivals where there were over 100,000. I mean, as a church compared to that, we're not really doing as well as we should, are we? But it is not wrong to admit to failure. Once you know what the problem is, you can start dealing with it. And the second step to Paul telling, telling his, giving us his message is this. Doing one thing, I forget what is behind. The past may not have been perfect for you. This year may not have been the perfect year for you. But thank goodness, it'll soon be past. I can't guarantee that the next one will be better, 
but at least this one will be passed. Now, does that mean that we forget everything from the past? Well, no. When we take communion, we always hear this passage, don't we, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Then listen to this. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus wanted us to remember something from the past. And the passage goes on. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, do this and drink it in remembrance of me. There are certain things from our past that we need to remember, that we can learn lessons from that will lift us up when times are bad. In the Old Testament, Moses spoke to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 5, and he said this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. They were having hard times, but he told them, Remember, it used to be much worse than this. Remember that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Exodus 20 talks about the Sabbath day in a slightly different terms. It says, remember the Sabbath. So there are things that we need to remember from the past. So if there are things that we need to remember, what are the things that we need to forget? Well, Hebrews chapter 12 is a good reminder. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In this short, simple statement, the author of Hebrews identifies two things that we are to throw off, which we are to put behind us and forget. Firstly, sin. If there has been sin in your life this year, and there has been, because if we say we are not sinners, we make God out to be a liar. Don't allow yourself to be tempted by the same things again. Forget the temptation. Put it behind you. Leave it, leave it alone. Don't be like, as it says in the Bible, and it's a rather graphic piece of scripture, don't be like a dog returning to its own vomit. Now, sin is fairly obvious. And the Bible tells us in many places what sin is so that we know to deal with it. But the passage in Hebrews also talks about throwing off things that hinder and things that so easily entangle. And a lot of people can have obsessions that hinder them and entangle them, can't they? And these days, people get obsessed about some very strange things indeed, don't they? I know a man who was addicted to doing the hokey-cokey. But he turned himself around, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> Seriously, though, what are the things that hinder you and entangle you? Watching too much trashy television? Television? 
spending hours on your mobile phone. Maybe you've got a bad experience in your past that you can't let go of, and you just keep going back to it. It's not a sin as such, but it hinders your walk. For others, it can be a good thing that hinders. People can have memories of what church used to be like. Oh, we always used to have the King James Bible and the Red Redemption Hymnal. An old Bertha would sit on the organ and it was great fun. It was freezing cold in winter, but we had great fun. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? That's God's word to us. If the past was good to you, great. But don't get stuck in it. There are some things that we need to forget. There are some things that we need to move on from. And good, New Year is a good time to forget and leave behind. So Paul says, we failed. But we're going to forget about it. And we're going to press on. In verses 13 and 14 of our reading today, it says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. I want you to take notice of his words there. I strain towards what is ahead. Moving on is not always easy. Sometimes you do have to strain forward. He said, I press on. I'm not going to be dragged backwards. I'm moving forward. And what is it that Paul says he's moving forward to? He says, I press on towards the goal. But what exactly is the goal? He says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. There are two things that I want to drag out of that one. Firstly, knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. If you're here today and you've been dragged along rather than come willingly and you don't know Jesus, then you can make a great start to 2024 by getting to know Jesus. It will be the best New Year present you've ever had. If you need to come and talk to me or talk to someone else, please do so. Nobody's going to be in a rush to, to get away, hopefully, after the service. But many of you I know already know Jesus. Perhaps your resolution for 2024 is to know him better. To know him better in prayer, through reading and studying his word, through worshipping him, through service and obedience to him. I mentioned resolutions there actually, it's, it's more than a resolution. A resolution is something that you do in your own strength. I'm talking about giving your situation, your life to Jesus and enabling him through his spirit to empower you to know him better, to know him more.
And the second thing that Paul said was his goal is I want to know his power. I want to know God's power. I want to see God's work in action. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. The Pharisees, of course, they did say, go on then, do another miracle. And people say, only a wicked and perverse generation asked for a miracle. Well, they were wicked and perverse, and they'd seen miracles. They'd said that the miracles were from Satan, but they still said, do another one. They were just trying to trick him. But for those of us who know God, it is not wrong to say, I want to see his power at work. Do you know there was a, a church meeting in, I, I don't know what part of Africa it was, but there was somewhere in Africa this, this year, there was a big church rally, a gospel meeting. Do you know how many people attended? 600,000. I mean, wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't you like to see God's power like that? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Billy Graham. He's, he's had many biographies written about him, probably only one or two autobiographies. But one story he tells, and I've, I've probably used this before and will probably use it again, is when he was at Bible school, he got confused by some of the theology and the philosophy that he had to study. And there was a forest nearby, and there was a place that he used to like to go to where there was a tree stump, and he would usually sit on the tree stump, but this one time he went and he knelt by the tree stump, and he just put his Bible there on the tree stump, and he put his hand on it, and he said, Lord, I don't understand everything that this book talks about. But if you will be with me, I will be faithful to preach it to the best of my abilities and with the strength that you give me. And in the space of 50 or 60 years, he's ministered to pretty much every president that there was during his lifetime. He's preached in football stadiums. He preached behind, behind the old Iron Curtain when there was an Iron Curtain. That's God's power. I can't guarantee that we will see God's power like that. But what about seeing a revival in your family? In your street? Amongst your neighbours? What about seeing a revival in you? Another man that inspires me very much is John Wesley. As a young Christian, I uh, went with a coachload of other Christians to Epworth, which is near Doncaster. It's the birthplace of John Wesley. I saw the house that he grew up in, the church where he first started preaching. And you know, in his testimony he says that he heard someone actually preaching the gospel for real. He, he was a vicar at the time, but he didn't know Jesus. But someone preached the gospel and he said he felt his heart strangely warmed. And he went back to his church in Epworth and he started preaching the gospel. 
The Church of England didn't like it. They kicked him out. As the Church of England do. So he realised the one thing they couldn't stop him doing. His father's grave was outside and they couldn't stop him visiting his father's grave. So on Sunday morning he would go and he would stand on the gravestone and preach the gospel to whoever would listen. And before long, there was nobody in the church. They were all in the graveyard listening to John Wesley. And then people started coming from other villages. So he thought, save them coming, I'll go. And during his lifetime... He travelled thousands of miles. He preached thousands of sermons. I think he's written something like 3,000 hymns, him and his brother between them. Again, I can't guarantee that you will see anything like that. I would love it to happen. My prayer is that we see something dramatic in 2024. There's several elections coming up next year key elections. There's going to be one in the UK, one in America. I, I understand that there might be one in Taiwan that the Chinese aren't very pleased about. Wouldn't it be great if our politicians actually acknowledged Jesus? That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? I want to know Jesus. And I want to know his power. And I hope that you want to see it and hear it in 2024 also. Admit your failures. Forget what's behind. Let's make 2024 a year when we press on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do want to know you. We thank God that we know you as well as we do. That you have saved us, you have transformed our lives. You have made us into completely different people to what we were. But we want to know you more. We want to see others knowing you. That you may truly be glorified in all the earth. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.